Good afternoon. This is WVEWLP Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station, streaming online at WVEW.org. You are listening to Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. You can also find us at Facebook, Instagram, and on iTunes at Indigo Radio, replaying Tuesdays at 3. The views of this show are those of the guest and host, not the radio station. Indigo Radio is a group of area educators seeking to learn through engaging with others in our community and throughout the world. My name is Marisa Nielsen. I teach second grade. And on the board, we have Anna. Hi, everyone. I am a local educator and also a grad student at University of Massachusetts studying public health. And today we're going to be talking about rural hospitals and uh, women's health. Since 2010, nearly 90 rural hospitals have shut their doors, and by one estimate, hundreds of other rural hospitals are at risk of doing so. Today, we're going to be focusing specifically on women's health and birthing centers. As many know, the Springfield Birthing Center in Springfield, Vermont, just closed its doors in early May. More than half the rural counties in the United States no longer have hospitals where women can give birth, according to a 2017 study by the University of Minnesota Rural Health Research Center. And something that came out of the news just this past week is that the Springfield Hospital is possibly going to declare bankruptcy. There's a number of public forums being held around this, and we can post these on the Facebook page. Uh, But there's one June 3rd, June 4th, and June 5th that uh, there's one at the Bells Falls Library, one's in Ludlow, and one's in Charleston. So we can post that information. But the Uh, Springfield Hospital, a recent audit found that the organization lost about 14 million in two years, and the hospital received an $800,000 loan from the state in January, uh, closed the childbirth center, eliminated 27 positions, and made pay cuts um, to find those savings. So we're going to be talking a little bit about that. We have two interviews we're going to air. Uh, One is with a woman who lives in, she's a Charleston resident, and she has two children that were birthed at the Springfield Birthing Center, and she's now pregnant with her third. That's due at the end of July. So we are going to air an interview that we did with her. And then we also interviewed uh, Dr. Sally Milani, who happens to be my sister, (laughs) and she is a uh, doctor in Minnesota, and she's worked in women's health for over 20 years. So She's also going to weigh in on this. Um, we're going to start with an opening song, and it's going to be Salt and Pepper Push It. I was looking for songs around birthing, and one of the things I found was that a lot of doulas have this song on their playlist, and one actually said they use it as a ringtone for their pregnant clients, which I thought was hilarious. So we're going to start with that, and then we'll be back with uh, Shannon's interview.
Welcome back. This is Indigo Radio. Um, today we are talking about um, women's health care, in particular reproductive health care, specifically focusing on rural health and the, the closing of rural health facilities for women. We just wanted to mention that the percentage of rural counties with hospital-based obstetric services declined from 55% to 46% between 2004 and 2014. So there's been a decline of hospital-based um, birthing centers and that that decline could influence the risk of preterm birth the leading cause of infant mortality there's also uh, freestanding birth centers that are not attached to hospitals Um, here in Brattleboro our birthing center is attached to the hospital um, but in other areas that's not the case these two have sort of been closing year after year. There have been more and more clothing, closings of birthing centers um, where women who are having healthy pregnancies that are not at risk for complications can give birth. And we also know that black women experience the highest infant mortality rates among any racial or ethnic group in the United States. And, and so we want to consider all of these facts before we play Shannon Glidden's interview, um, who is the woman we interviewed about her plans to give birth this July with her third child. Um, She lives in Charleston, New Hampshire, and her previous two children were delivered at the Springfield Birthing Center, which is now closed. Um, So she, along with many other women, are having to sort out um, what they will do, what their birth plans will be, as all of the facilities are now 40 minutes away uh, from her. Great. So we're going to play the first part of her interview, and she talks here about the decision that she had to go through after she heard the center was closing. Uh, She talks about her experience with the birthing center, transportation issues, and some of the community conversation uh, around the closure. Shannon, thank you for being with us, Indigo Radio. You are due, you're pregnant, and you're due in, at the end of July, right? Okay. And the Springfield Birthing Center closed at the beginning of March. Is that correct? I don't know. I think I it did. I believe it's, yeah. I think, uh, I think it was in March that they announced that they were going to be closing. I'm not sure when they actually officially okay. closed because once they said they were closing, I decided I needed to find somewhere to yeah. So tell us what that experience was like in you finding out it was going to close and what decisions you needed to make. Well, it was pretty stressful. I actually knew that the hospital was having financial problems pretty much my whole pregnancy. So I spent a good portion of my first trimester wondering if the hospital was even going to exist by the time I had the baby. And then my second trimester, 
uh, there were a lot of rumors about it possibly closing. So I didn't want to spend a whole bunch of time researching and then have it still be open. But I also didn't want to not research and be totally unprepared. So I did a little bit of research and I decided I probably was going to go to Dartmouth. And then when we got the official word that they were closing, I called Dartmouth and made an appointment and I went and the midwife was wonderful and I toured their childbirth center and that was also very nice, but it just, it's such a huge facility. I really, I didn't want to have to worry about like navigating such a big place while I'm in labor and also traveling that far, my husband pumps septic tanks, so sometimes he's in the middle of nowhere with no service. So he could be an hour away and it could be another hour before he even gets my message like, hey, I'm in labor. I had my uh, second daughter in five hours from the time my water started leaking. So I was like, hmm, by the time he gets home and then we go drop my kids off and then we drive 40 minutes, I could be having this baby in the car, which mm-hmm. sounds really not fun. And Dartmouth um, is 40 minutes from here, is that right? Yeah, about. From where you live? Okay. Yeah. Everywhere is like almost exactly 40 minutes. Uh, BMH is like 40 minutes. Keene. Keene, I think, might actually be like 45. Yeah. And then there are other places that are farther, you know, like Rutland's a little bit farther, Concord's a little bit farther, but I'm like right in the center of this yeah. area where there's no birthing centers. Right. Yeah. So um, we decided to have a home birth for a lot of reasons. The the distance was a big one. I also, I don't care if I have an epidural or not. Um, I didn't have one with my second daughter and it was all right. So I'm okay with not having one. So we're like, okay, let's just do a home birth and we don't have to worry about where our kids are gonna go. We don't have to worry about, you know, I can call him and he can be on his way here and the midwife can be on their way here. So we don't have to worry about getting me anywhere yeah. unless I'm not home. And then, so we, I found some midwives out of, they're actually, their practice is out of Swansea, but they have an office in Bellows Falls. And there's always two of them at every birth, which made my husband really a lot more comfortable in case there was a problem with me or, and the baby at the same time. He didn't want to have to make a decision. Okay, you held this one. Yeah. So I met with them and I really like them a lot. They're really thorough. They've done a lot with my blood work and helped me like identify what like foods I should be eating to help with certain with different issues you know that could present themselves at birth um, and they've been amazing so I'm I'm really happy with my decision Good. now yeah but it was a pretty stressful road to get there right yeah so. and this will be the first home birth you have right yeah is that right and you have two younger children. Yep. Okay. And they were birthed at the Springfield Birthing yeah. Center, is that right? Yeah. They were both born at Springfield by the same doctor. So when it came out that like, I'm not going to be able to have my baby born there or by her, it was kind of a little bit sad because yeah. it was, you know, nice that she was able to be there for the whole experience with both of them. And she's, she's, I think, as far as I know, the only practitioner in the area that follows, she's the only one that follows you through your pregnancy, and then she's guaranteed to deliver, like be there to deliver, unless she's on vacation, mm. which is, you know, she takes 
everybody's entitled to vacation, so. What's her name? Um, Dr. Dalton. I thought you were gonna say that. I, I, I saw an interview with her, yes. and that she's been at the Springfield Hospital for over 30 years, and I know that she expressed in that interview that she was pretty sad that that was happening to the birthing center. Yeah, she's amazing, and she like lives for catching babies, so. And she was saying, yeah, that she's seen so many women through this process. Yeah, yeah. I believe that she is still seeing some patients for their pregnancy, people who can't, like, travel. You know, like, if you don't have a car, you still have to find a way to get to Brattleboro or wherever. I think, I want to say it's Brattleboro that allowed her to do that. I don't know. I don't know the details because I caught, like, part of a conversation with her Mm -hmm. at something at the hospital. But so she's at least that, the people who can't drive all the way to Brattleboro, especially in the last month, you're, every week, she's able to meet with them and do some of the prenatal care up here, which is nice. At the Springfield Hospital, is that right? Or uh, at- well, she has an office that's not part of the hospital. But, um, well, it's part of the hospital as a whole, but mm-hmm. it's not in the hospital. It's, okay, got it. It's, in, it's a few, like a mile away or something. Okay. So the people, the women who are already pregnant, who are um, doing those weekly visits, who were going to Springfield, they're now having to drive all the way to Brattleboro to do those prenatal visits? I believe Brattleboro is also doing like one day a week Mm -hmm. up here Okay. Uh, in Springfield. I'm not really sure of the details because... It, I, I heard it in passing. Um, I don't really know because it didn't pertain to me. So I didn't, sure. yeah. I didn't spend a lot of time trying to find out too much. But I'm pretty sure at least one day a week they are coming up here. So that is helpful. Um, and I think Dartmouth, the midwife, when I met her, she said that they go to Newport like one day a week, uh, which is great, except Newport's still a pretty good haul from Springfield. So... It's a little bit closer for like me, but it's not really, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not right in town for someone who has to walk to an appointment. Mm-hmm. Have you been at all a part of larger community conversations around the birthing center closing? Um, so I went to a board meeting. I wasn't like, I didn't speak at it or anything, but I did go to a board meeting when they were right before they decided whether or not they were closing it. And then they decided to close it. So, but that's pretty much it. I've been somewhat involved in some of the things on the news articles. You know, I've tried to keep up with that, mm-hmm. especially well before they closed. And I, I know a lot of people who work there, so I have some other information. Mm-hmm. What's, from your understanding, do you know why it's closing? Well, the CEO and CFO, I think basically drove it to the ground. The previous ones, not the current ones. I think now they're working really hard to fix it. But I think that because they, they both resigned, right? Yeah. After they, the, I read that. Yeah. Yeah, they basically said like, "Oh, hey, we're in a financial crisis. Here's a resignation." I'm not really sure. It sounded like they were maybe not quite a hundred percent honest leading up to that point about how serious the financial situation was. So now the people who are in charge are having to make really difficult decisions of what they 
can maintain and you know doing doing their best i it stinks that they're having to close the childbirth center but they have to make cuts somewhere mm -hmm. so yeah have there been any uh, community conversations or efforts to try and keep it open? Did anything like that happen? I don't know. Okay. Um, I know that there was, they were planning to do re renovations on the childbirth center for years. Like I think they were talking about it when I had my first daughter almost four years ago. And so they were fundraising for that and then it never happened. So I'm not really sure like if they could have used I don't know how that works if you fundraise for a specific purpose, if they could use it like towards the childbirth center, but not necessarily for the renovations. I don't know if that would have been able to happen. Yeah. Um, and I don't have any idea how much money they had raised. Mm -hmm. You had mentioned that you have friends who work in the center, maybe not the birthing center, but in the hospital. What has their experience been over the last few months? Um, well, a couple people have left. And one of the people doesn't actually work in the hospital. She works in a different facility. And I think that she seems pretty unaffected by it. I haven't talked to her in a lot of great detail, but I think that her particular job is like not at risk, so it hasn't impacted her as personally as it has some of the people who I know who have been laid off or who have left because things were going so seriously downhill. Hmm. Welcome to the end of being alone inside your mind You're tethered to another and you were it all the time You always knew the melody but you never heard it rhyme She's fair and she is quiet Lord, she doesn't look like me She made me love the morning, she's a holiday at sea the New York streets are as busy as they always used to be But I am the mother of Evangeline The first things that she took from me were selfishness and sleep She broke a thousand heirlooms I was never meant to keep She filled my life with color, canceled plans and trashed my car None of that was ever who we are Outside of my windows are the mountains and the snow I hold you while you're sleeping and I wish that I could go All my rowdy friends are out accomplishing their dreams But I am the mother of Evangeline and they still got their morning paper and their coffee and their time. And they still enjoy their evenings with the skeptics and the wine. Oh, but all the wonders I have seen, I will see a second time. From inside of the ages through your eyes. You are not an accident where no one thought it through. 
The world that stood against us made us mean to fight for you. And when we chose your name, we knew that you'd fight the power too. You're nothing short of magical and beautiful to me. I'll never hit the big time without you. So they can keep their treasure and their ties to the machine. I am the mother of Evangeline. They can keep their treasure and their ties to the machine. I am the mother of Evangeline. Welcome back. This is WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM, your community radio station, streaming online at WVEW.org. You're listening to Indigo Radio, deepening understanding, making connections. Today we're playing a show about birth and women's health care in the reproduction, reproductive stages of their lives. And we've been playing an interview with Shannon Glidden about her experience um, hoping to have her third child at the Springfield Birthing Center. Um, and now it is closing. And so her plans now that the center is closing. So we will be playing the second part of that interview now. Thanks so much. I'm wondering, so as someone who has birthed two children and you're pregnant with your third, what in your experience and knowledge do you feel that ideally women need around them when giving birth? So when actually in labor? Mm-hmm. Uh, supportive people. Quiet people. <laughs> um, and pretty much whatever they want. Um, you know, I was, with my first daughter, I wanted food. With my second daughter, but I was, I was induced with her and I was in labor for like hours. So I was hungry, but with my second daughter, it, I didn't want any food. I didn't want anybody to touch me. Um, but some people want to have somebody giving them a massage or whatever. Um, so I think people who are really intuitive to what the mother wants and also who are willing to pretty much do, I mean, within reason, whatever she's asking for. Um, I had a doula with my second daughter, and I'll have one again this time. She, because my labor went so quickly with her, the doula wasn't there for a very long time, uh, but it was just nice to have an additional woman present that wasn't necessarily part of the hospital, um, who was, you know, there. Not that the nurses aren't there for you, but who was there basically just for me if there had been other people in labor, which I think, I think with both of them there were. So, you know, the nurses need to go and tend to them or whatever. Uh, so it was nice to have somebody who was able to kind of tend to whatever my needs were without making my husband leave. If I needed a drink, she could go get one, If you know, all of those things, which was nice. And then for your experience at the birthing center in Springfield, I'm thinking both um, before actual labor, so any time during your pregnancy, and then 
after you've given birth, what do you feel like were some of the strengths of the birthing center in Springfield or some of the essential services that you received from them? Uh, so some of the nurses were amazing. And I mean, Dr. Dalton is also amazing. Um, so I think they, they were really good. So I hemorrhaged with my first daughter um, and then I hemorrhaged again with my second daughter. And they, I didn't even realize I hemorrhaged with her because, I mean, the first one I knew because it was a little chaotic, they didn't expect it. But the second time, they were prepared, they had everything they needed, they, you know, just immediately gave me medicine, did whatever they needed to do while I was, like, hanging out with my baby. Mm. Um, and that was awesome that I was like, oh, I didn't even, I didn't even know. And I think that a lot of the nurses there have some pretty good skills. And I just think... It's sad that they have to now, if they want to continue being that kind of nurse, they have to travel so far. Uh, it makes, makes me feel bad that they, they lost their jobs or had to go move into a different mm -hmm. area of practice, which maybe wasn't exactly their first choice. Yeah. What else, what do you want to share about your process or um, being a mother, being an expecting mother? Um, that you think is important for people to know and understand, especially in rural-ish Vermont? I think it's good for people to decide, maybe like, especially if you already have kids, what kind of involvement you want your kids to play in your, both in your pregnancy and in your delivery. You know, we've kind of decided while I'm in labor, if the girls want to come and like hang out with us, that's fine. When I actually have the baby, we'll probably boot them out with, we'll have, we have several people who are going to be available to come hang out at our house and watch the kids. So we'll probably kick them out when it's time to actually have the baby. But some people want their kids there. Some people are like, yeah, come stay with us. Like you can help. Uh, my midwife was telling us a story about somebody whose who's little kid helped catch the baby. And uh, I think that's great. So I just think it's good to decide. And right now my kids talk to the baby, talk about the baby. They are both pregnant too. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I think like it's good for them to have a good involvement, but some people don't necessarily have that same involvement with their kids. The kids know that they're pregnant, but they don't like necessarily talk to their stomach or whatever. You know, they, they kiss my stomach every morning and every night and several times throughout the day. <laughs> so things like that. What do you have in place for, so you'll have the home birth. Do you have something, um, a plan in place? If something were to go wrong or there's an emergency, What's the plan that's in place? So the plan via my midwives, um, which I'm totally on board with is the plan I would want mm -hmm. is um, like if I happen to go into labor before, I think it's 37 weeks, I would go to a hospital. They don't do home birth. So like <laughs> you don't want premature babies born at home. Mm -hmm. So I think that if it was after 35 weeks, I would probably go to Brattleboro. If it was... If it's before, or if it's before then, then I would go to Dartmouth. That's where, where I want to be. If there's a problem, I absolutely want to be in Dartmouth. And then if there was a problem during the delivery, then they are pretty good. So I've talked to them about like 
how you know they they've said that they are really good at like noticing that there's going to be a problem long before there is a problem so usually they don't have emergency transports obviously emergencies happen uh, but they would probably bring me to Claremont or Springfield and then I would get transported to Dartmouth probably an amp or an ambulance would come here I okay. don't depending on depending on what the situation is um, if it's just we need we need higher level of treatment or if I'm in labor for like two days and really want an epidural or mm -hmm. something like that then I don't necessarily know that I need an ambulance I could just get brought to a hospital mm -hmm. so I just think it depends on the situation and the severity of the issue uh, but they are you know especially since I'll have my doula here they one of them can be dealing with me and one of them can be dealing with the baby if the baby's already born and needs that. If not, you know, if the baby's fine, my husband can take the baby. And then either my doula or one of the midwives can call 911 and, you know, meet them and bring them. Not sure if I'm going to have the baby up here or down. Like, they have a water birth tub, so if I do that, that'll be up here. If I, if it's the middle of the night, I'll probably just have the baby in our bed. You know, she can go get the get the EMTs, bring them in, and bring them to me. So I think that we have a pretty solid, in case of an emergency plan. Yeah. And then there will be somebody here with our kids, so we won't have to worry about like getting them somewhere. Yeah. We'll just leave them. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's good. That sounds good. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to tell us about the birthing center, <laughs> how you're feeling about it, your pregnancy? I mean, like I said, it was a little sad when we realized that Dr. Dalton wasn't going to be able to deliver this baby or that we weren't going to be able to have her at the same hospital. But, you know, we are, we are happy with our decision now. I think the other thing that is concerning is that I know of at least two people who live in Springfield who had their babies either at home or in the ER on their way into the hospital. So now having to drive 40 minutes that the baby who was born in the ER probably would have been born in the car mm. and that's you know scary uh the other baby would have still been born at home but I don't know how that would have worked you know if that would have if they would have had to go to Dartmouth or if they would have you know have a, have a long ambulance ride up to Dartmouth or if they would have just been able to go to Springfield at that point um, I do know Springfield is prepared to take women who are in, like, I'm about to have my baby, I can't make it. Yeah. But sometimes in you the don't ER, know I read that. that, too, that they'll do emergency, but... Yeah. And they do, I don't know anything about, like, the Women's Health Center, if staff are leaving, if it's staying open. I imagine it is, because they do a lot more than just deliver The Women's babies. Health Center is a part of the Springfield Hospital? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so that's not where I went. Dr. Dalton has a different office. She's part of like a family practice. So she'll actually, she'll be this baby's pediatrician and she's my other two. Okay, I was just about to ask that. Yeah, so follow up after the pregnancy, you'll go to her. Yeah, yes and no, yes. So the midwives, I think, I can't remember exactly what they said. I think they said that they'll come here two days after the baby's born, maybe even one. 
I don't remember. So they'll be here for a little while after the baby's born, okay. do all of the stuff that care. they're... Yeah, do all of the stuff that you normally get in a hospital, like the APGAR testing and testing for jaundice. They'll test the baby's blood, do like the vitamin K shot, all that stuff. And then they leave, and then I can't remember if they come back the next day or if it's two days later. And then they'll see me and the baby, I think, two weeks later, but I think I also will be seeing Dr. Dalton. I'm not really, I can't really remember the details on that. I just remember going like, okay, I'm happy with that plan <laughs> when they told me. So they'll, they'll see Dr. Dalton, but they'll also, the baby will also see the midwife. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad that you still have that connection then with Dr. Dalton. Yeah, me too. She just seems like she's been sort of a force in this community. I mean, she was, I was listening to her and she was saying how she's, you know, she's helped with the delivery of, of kids and then seeing those kids, she's been there so long. Yeah, she's delivered babies and then delivered their (laughs) Their babies. babies. Yeah. 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 Yeah which I wasn't the case for us. I was born in Massachusetts. But um, still, that's still awesome that she has done that to see the, and especially if she was their doctor, like all through right. their lives, you know, she's, you have a great relationship with this woman who's helping you deliver your baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. Thank well, you. thank you so much yeah, for speaking really with us. This really helpful for us. Thank you. No yeah. Thank you. And we really wish you a very healthy delivery thank you and end of pregnancies thank you it sounds like you have a good plan in place and you feel good about it yeah yeah we're happy with it thank you so much no problem thank you you're listening to wvew your community radio station and this is indigo radio on the air every sunday i am anna and i'm here with marisa and you were just listening to shannon glidden who was describing her experience with the springfield birthing center and she is pregnant. Um, we'll have her baby at the end of July. We want to thank her for spending time with us last weekend and sharing her story. And I do want to note that I reached out to the Springfield um, Hospital for comment a couple times and didn't hear back. Um, so we weren't able to get them on the air. Marisa, anything, any thoughts you have with that interview? I mean, I, th- I think hearing from her every woman's experience giving birth and the pregnancy process is unique and at the same time part of our history of human beings and and so thinking about all of the influences around women's health that make it possible or impossible to have safe healthy pregnancies and births um i think it's important to to take into consideration both the individualness of everybody's needs each woman's needs um, during that process, but also the long history that that's behind that. And, and also the, the costs. I, I don't think that's something we brought up in the interview with Shannon, but cost of having a child um, and what that looks like for people with private insurance or not, you know, it's, it's a, it's, we're living in a for-profit um, hospitalized world and so it will be interesting to see where the Springfield Medical Center goes in the future too if they decide to declare bankruptcy for the entire hospital um, or not mm-hmm. um, yeah we're gonna go now uh, on to Dr. Sally Milani's interview that we did last night and Sally is a assistant professor in the Department of Obstetrics Gynecology and Women's Health 
at the University of Minnesota. She's going to um, talk to us about what her knowledge is around uh, delivery, and we discussed a little bit about the closing of um, birthing centers and you know what that means for the health of women. I am here with Dr. Sally Milani. Sally, thank you for being on Indigo Radio. And will you tell us? Thank you, Anna. I'm excited to be here. Will you tell us a little bit about your background and the work that you do and what you focus on? Sure. So I am a physician. I did my residency training in gynecology. I felt specialty training in gynecologic oncology, and I currently um, practice the specialty of gynecologic cancer on women with um, pelvic malignancies, as well as um, providing some um, high-risk surgical obstetrical care. Okay, great. And you're also at uh, the University of Minnesota, right? I am. Yeah, because this is interesting, because the show that we are doing today is on a lot about rural hospitals, and a lot of the study has come out of the University of Minnesota Rural Health Research Center, actually, that we've oh. Yeah. So one Great. of the things that we're talking about today is the closures of rural hospitals, and specifically today we're focusing on birthing centers. One of the birthing centers close to us in Springfield, Vermont, has just closed, and this from the University of Minnesota actually said that more than half the rural counties in the United States no longer have hospitals where women can give birth. And that's according to a 2017 study. So right. what I was curious about is just from your knowledge, ideally, what would quality care for expectant mothers look like to you both during pregnancy and after? Quality care during um, pregnancy would consist of, first of all, even before conception, um, with um, access to ready access to uh, preconception counseling. So access to healthcare providers who can optimize a woman's health prior to getting pregnant, and then during pregnancy, um, ready access to healthcare providers who can um, meet the needs of the mother. So by providing routine obstetrical care where women don't have to travel an extraordinary distance to get that care, to have um, continuity of care, so be able to see the same healthcare provider throughout their pregnancy, uh, to have uh, access to state-of-the-art medical facilities where they can be comfortable uh, in their delivery plan to be able to develop um, and have access to uh, patient and family-centered care. And um, so that the woman can ultimately feel like the interest of her family, her baby, her own health are going to be met by the medical community. Yeah, great. Actually, a lot of what you just said came up in the interview that we did with Shannon, especially when you talk about the continuity of care, in that she had worked with a doctor with her two other births of her two younger children. And I think that's one thing that was sad for her, that she wouldn't be able to work with this doctor again. And I think many people in that community are that. And that actually leads me to my next question, because you also said something about transportation. So with the closing of the Springfield Birthing Center, the closest birthing centers are 45 minutes away. What would you say for you of the main concerns, both in terms of like the pregnancy ongoing care, like you were saying, and then when a woman goes into labor? 
Well, again, closure, as you've already alluded to, closure of rural hospitals inordinately affect, obviously, communities, rural communities, um, low-income groups, certain racial and ethnic minorities, and so they carry the burden of this continuing healthcare disparity. And in particular, with obstetrical care, it's important to have ongoing care and to be able to identify any particular risk factors during pregnancy to maintain uh, the ability to have uh, routine visits. Uh, And sometimes that can be monthly visits uh, early on. And then uh, later during pregnancy, it can often be every week. And I think women who uh, live in rural communities, it can take, uh, you know, an extraordinary effort to drive that 45 minutes to an hour to see their doctor or healthcare provider and have that visit and then turn around and, and go back home. And that can be, you know, that can be a half day visit, um, basically with travel. And so that I think that leads to women then not having that continuity of care, maybe skipping the visits because it's not convenient, they can't find childcare for their other children. You know, that can create problems, um, medical issues that might arise may not be identified. And then obviously during labor, uh, you know, traveling 45 minutes uh, when a woman is in labor can obviously lead to home deliveries that might not be planned, deliveries on the way, deliveries by healthcare providers that uh, may not be um, trained or comfortable in deliveries if they end up in an emergency room on the way to another OB site. So it can lead to lots of different problems and I think ultimately impact uh, infant and maternal mortality. Yeah. And, and Shannon was also saying that about how, the, I mean, the transportation is a big issue in Vermont and rural Vermont. And I think there's a lot of concern around that of um, the Springfield hospital is set up to have emergency births, but like you said, that's not ideal. And that leads to the next question. So the what we found was that percentage of rural counties with hospital-based obstetric services declined from 55% to 46% between 2004 and 2014, and that these were linked with out-of-hospital births. So just wondering if that's concerning to you, and what are the risks that some women may face if she has a birth, and like you said, an unplanned home birth? Because when we talked to Shannon, she has now really has like a thought out uh, plan for a home birth and feels good about it. It seems like everything is in place. Mm -hmm. But like you said, there's going to be women that may have an unexpected home birth. And what what are the risks that she faces? Well, the major risk really with um, kind of an unplanned home birth is that you don't have the resource to help. You don't have the adequate resources at home to help the mom or the baby if there's problems. So often home births, when they're unexpected and unplanned, happen very quickly. And one of the the consequences of a rapid delivery is um, maternal hemorrhage. Um, And the blood loss after delivery can be quite significant in a very short amount of time. So, you know, potential significant blood blood loss, requiring, you know, emergency medical care, which if it isn't readily available, could really lead to very serious bad outcomes for the mother. Um, if there's, you know, a problem with the delivery, you know, there's lots of complications that it can occur with, with a birth in general. 
that that medical providers can help with. Lots of times, or most of the time, birth is is, is easy and straightforward. But in the cases where it's not, um, medical care is necessary immediately, uh, and you know that can include things like a difficult delivery, uh, the baby's not doing well, um, increased risk for infection. Delayed medical care can again lead to poor infant outcomes. Yeah. I wanted to ask you too, just because you've been working in this field for so long, is when you, you think about the current climate of this country, and there's a, been a lot about the abortion bans and clinic closures and these threats to Roe versus Wade. And then, you know, we're talking about mm-hmm. closing rural hospitals um, and birthing centers. What would you say are your biggest concerns around women's reproductive health? And what do you see as the key concerns that need our attention? Well, I think there's this increased invasion of kind of the political landscape into the patient-doctor relationship uh, for which the discussion about abortion and the choice that a woman has to have an abortion is a decision, an informed decision that should be made between the patient and her doctor. And a lot of the kind of political discussion around abortion is based on misinformation, you know, inappropriate discussion. Um, Late-term abortion isn't even a medically used term. Um, And it completely erodes a woman's ability to make choices for herself about what happens to her own body. And um, it's a really unfortunate and kind of scary trend, I think. You know, over 50% of pregnancies are unplanned. About 50% of um, pregnancies are not desired. Uh, About a third of Women before they're 45 will seek abortion services. So it's a it's an absolutely um, important service that we provide as part of women's health and kind of the erosion of access to women's health. You know, including like preconception counseling, and you know this plays into closure of rural hospitals too. Uh, Long acting uh, reversible contraception like the IUD is often offered. Uh, immediately after delivery. And it is, you know, the ability to provide appropriate counseling and appropriate contraception really can impact the number of unplanned, unwanted pregnancies. And so the ability for physicians and other healthcare providers to be able to offer meaningful uh, services to women that impact their reproductive life and their ability to choose when they have a baby and how they want to have that baby is a, is a really important discussion that we should be having. Yeah. Something you said also uh, talking about the relationship between how the, the conversation in the, the political sphere takes it away from the relationship between the patient and doctor. And mm-hmm. I, I'm just curious to what you think about, I've, I've been doing some reading around how, our healthcare model that is puts profit before people's health also strips the human interaction between doctors and patients because doctors are constantly having to do paperwork more and more and being put under certain performance measures and all this kind of stuff. And I'm just curious if you've seen that in your time working as a physician, have you seen things 
change or are there things that you feel in your own work that interrupts this connection between the doctor and patient? Yeah, I mean, to a certain degree, there's, I I mean, I guess in my own day-to-day interactions with patients, I don't feel that it's necessarily disrupted the personal interaction that I have with patients, but it certainly impacts what I do with my time when I'm away from patients. So rather than working on research or spending time teaching and spending more time kind of talking to insurance companies, trying to justify why I'm ordering a test for a patient or making sure that I've documented a conversation, you know, three different ways to make sure that it's documented the way everyone wants it. And yeah, I, 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 I don't know that it's necessarily interact or impacted how I personally, my personal relationships with patients, but it has eroded what I do with my, the way my time is used away from patients, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, Is there anything else that you would like to add that I haven't asked you that you would, you feel like is important to the conversation or for people to know? I I just think that it's so unfortunate that there, there seems to be less and less priority put on women's health uh, and the health of the health of women is, is really the, the, the backbone of this country. I mean, women, women manage families, women raise children, women, women keep everything going behind the scenes and for, for women to be losing access to really standard routine healthcare and health procedures is just appalling, I think. Yeah. Sally, thank you so much for spending your time with Indigo Radio today. We really appreciate um, all the thoughts you have to share. Thank you, Anna. I really enjoyed it. It's my first radio experience, so it's exciting. All right. That was Dr. Sally Milani out of the University of Minnesota, and we just want to thank her for spending some time with us yesterday. Also, that's my sister, everyone. (laughs) All right. We're going to actually take a song break, and the song... Mary, so you want to introduce the song? Sure. The song is called Sally's Pigeons. It's by Cindy Lopper, and it's about... uh, a girl who does a what they call a back alley abortion um, because she doesn't have any other options. Had a friend with a pirate smile. Make believe and play, pretend we were innocent and wild. Hop the fence and slam the gate. Running down my alleyway In time to watch Sally's pigeons fly We love to watch them dive and soar Circle in the sky Free as a bird from three to four And never knowing why neighbors pulled their wash back in put away my barbie can look out overhead while sally's pigeons fly i had a false confidence that the
Welcome back. This is WVEWLP Brattleboro, 107.7 FM, your community radio station, streaming online at WVEW.org. You're listening to Indigo Radio, deepening understanding and making connections. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on iTunes at Indigo Radio. We also replay on Tuesdays at 3. Today we've been talking about birthing and healthcare for women in that process. Um, we had an interview from Shannon Glidden. Thank you so much, Shannon, as well as Sally Milani, um, who gave us a lot more information about that. Anna wanted to update us on some events coming up um, where you can participate. Yeah, we have an announcement from Ellen Schwartz, who is with the Vermont Workers Center. A lot of you probably know Ellen. On Saturday, June 8th, the Vermont Workers Center is holding a march and rally to protect and expand Medicaid and for healthcare for all. So everyone, people will be gathering from around the state in Barrie for this event. It starts at noon. And what we'll actually do is we can put that up on our Facebook page so you have all the information. Uh, I think it would be a great thing to go out, uh, give your support to. And I was just thinking as that last song was playing that I feel like just thinking about this, what we've been talking about today and the incredibly difficult choices that people have to make around, whether it's around abortion or labor and pregnancy. And so um, I feel like really dedicating the show to all those people out there that make these incredibly hard choices that I think is lost often in that sort of political debate that Sally was talking about. Marisa, do you have anything else for us? Well, I'm, I was just, again, looking at the costs of, of having a child in the United States and how it's so, um, it's one of the most expensive in the entire world. Uh, the average was $17,000 for a vaginal birth in the United States. 
Um, and in other countries like Norway, I'm forgetting some of the other ones, it's more like $12 um, for all of that care. And so to be questioning why that is, I think is important. Yeah. And I think we'll go out with another song and we will post this show to our podcast. I'm not sure what is up next week, but we will be back here next Sunday at noon. We all hope you have a good Sunday afternoon. Thank you. You can call